the King of glory. First Corinthians chapter two, verse eight, it said that Satan would not have crucified. It said if Satan had only known, it said he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Psalm chapter 24 talks about the King of glory and it makes a, makes a statement. It says, who is this King of glory? But the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord who's mighty in battle. You know, Isaiah 61 says this, he goes, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God for he has clothed me with a garment of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. We have something to rejoice about today. The King of glory, the King of glory. The Lord strong and mighty, Lord strong and mighty, the Lord who's mighty in battle. He has clothed me with salvation today. It says, I will greatly rejoice. See, that's a declaration. It's a, it's a, it's a decision. It's a declaration. It's a decision and it's a choice saying, I choose. I choose. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because he has clothed me with a garment of salvation. We have the ability to rejoice in God today because everything that Jesus accomplished, everything that Jesus brought about for us, he is not in the tomb any longer, but he's risen and he rose up victoriously. And when you accepted him as Lord and saved your life, he clothed you with salvation. You have something to rejoice about today before what Jesus has accomplished. Amen. Give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I will greatly rejoice because he has clothed me with salvation. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. A number of years back, I taught a message about uh, my victory. In Psalms 145, or actually Psalms 149, and, and it says this, and this is what it translates to. It says, victory looks good on you. Look to your neighbor and tell them that victory sure looks good on you. And go ahead and give them a shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you go ahead and welcome one another and tell them happy resurrection day. Tell them how good it is to see them today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. So glad that you joined us for this amazing celebration. I mean, I'm so glad that for us as New Testament believers, Resurrection Day is not, a, is not about celebrating this particular day, but it's about a, a daily celebration. Resurrection life, resurrection life is something that we celebrate every day as believers. Amen. Has he been good to you? He's been so good to me. If I could just, if I had the time this morning just to communicate and talk about just the testimonies of what God has done in my life, done in my family. Man, do you have testimonies of God's goodness? Do you have testimonies of God's faithfulness? Do you have testimonies of of what God has done for you and done in your life? Let this revelation and this understanding of who Jesus is not just become a Sunday understanding, but let it change how you live your life. Let it change how you you respond to people around you. Let, let this revelation of his resurrection life go beyond just a Christian experience or religious experience and all of a sudden change how you wake up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, how you go to bed every day of the week. I'm telling you, we should be a description of resurrection life. Everywhere we go, we should have joy. Why? Because we have resurrection life happening on the inside of us. I I have faith today because of Jesus resurrecting from the dead. 
I have faith today because Jesus wasn't just resurrected, but he was ascended to the father and he went to the mercy seat and he took his blood and he poured it out on the mercy seat for you and for me. And he sat down, man, that's something that, that we can rejoice in today. You know, that's what I want to talk about today. Rejoice. Rejoice. You know, why Jesus in the first place? Why this understanding of Jesus? Why did God so love the world that he gave his only begotten son? That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This this. Love that God had for humanity. You know, just in reference to the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, God wanted, he wanted a family. He wanted someone that could, could fellowship with him, not because they had to, but because they chose to. And yet we know the enemy came in and deceived Adam and Eve in the garden and they lost the connection. They lost the sense of family with, 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 with Heavenly Father. They lost this place of favor. And they lost a position of freedom. I have something to rejoice today because God has restored freedom. He has restored favor. And he's restored family. That's why Jesus had to go to the cross. Today we can rejoice because of not prophecies or promises that were waiting to come to pass, but because of those that have come to pass. From the moment that Adam and Eve fell in the garden, from that very moment that here we, we, we see in that story, that the moment that that happened, that God stood up and he made a declaration And he cursed the serpent and he said, there's one coming and there's one coming and you're going to bruise his heel and he's going to bruise your head. And from the moment that time, that moment that happened when God prophesied that and declared that God put into work, God put into something in motion to establish the king of glory coming into the earth to restore freedom, to restore favor and restore family. I mean, there's prophecies and promises throughout the scriptures and, and we can, some of the things that it talked about promises in Joshua 23, it says, now I'm about to go away of all the earth. You know, with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promise, the Lord, your God has gave you has failed. Now this is, this is a promise. Joshua was speaking here and he's saying, you know, with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises, the Lord, your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. That's my God. When God makes a declaration and God decrees and declares one, he says, not one word has failed. Everything has come to pass. Ezekiel 12 says this, verse 28, he says, Therefore say to them, thus says the Lord God, none of my words will be delayed any longer. Whatever word I speak will be fulfilled completely. Now, what God has spoken will be fulfilled completely. What God spoke on that day when Adam and Eve fell in the garden would be fulfilled completely. The words that God has spoken to you out of his word, the rhema words that you've received, prophecies that God's given you, things he's shown you about your life, your business, your ministry, your calling. The prophetic word that we have this year as the year of the maximum, the highest level attainable. It says, it says every word, none of my words will be delayed any longer. Whatever word I speak will be fulfilled completely, says, says the Lord God. This is what God has said. So we have promises and prophecies that we can hold on to. Go to Matthew chapter uh, uh, 28. Matthew chapter 28. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 
Actually, just go to 27, and I'll get there in a little bit. I want to, just as Pastor Annette opened, and as we talked about Jesus raising again, and Mary and Martha there went to the tomb, and they saw an angel. An angel spoke to them and said, he's risen. Angel tells them, hey, go and go, leave and, and go, go declare something to the disciples. Declare what you've seen. But as soon as they leave on their way, I love this, he goes, and as they went, Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up and it said, and he said, King James says, all, all hail, which translates Rejoice. What do they do? They go down and they lay hold of his, the ankle of his feet and worship him. That's why we can see in John, in John talks about, doesn't refer to that, but, but Jesus says this. He goes, don't handle me. Now we can see how they were handling them. They were at his feet worshiping him. And he said, don't handle me. I haven't ascended to the Father yet. But this declaration of rejoice, why was Jesus saying Rejoice. All things have been restored. You can rejoice because the fulfillment of promises and a prophecy. Now we'll get to Matthew 27 here in a moment, but I, I, I want to take the time to read Isaiah chapter 53 in the message. You can look at the screen and, and follow along. I love this. It says, who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought that God's saving power would look like this? The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him and thought he was scum, but the fact is, it was our pains he carried. It was our disfigurements. All the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself. That God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him. That ripped and tore and crushed him. It was our sins. He took the punishment and it made us whole. Through his bruises we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing and gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins. Everything we've done wrong on him. On him. He was beaten, he was tortured, but he didn't say a word. Like a a lamb taken to the slaughter and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence. Justice miscarried and he was let off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought of his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked threw him in a grave with a rich man, even though he never heard a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still, it was God had in mind all along to crush him with pain. The plan was that he give himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it. Life, life, and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Out of that terrible travail of soul, he'll see that it's worth it and be glad he did. Through that he experienced my righteous one, My servant will make many righteous ones, as he himself carries the burden of their sins. Therefore, I'll reward him extravagantly, the best of everything, the highest honors, because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch, because he embraced the company of the lowest. He took on his shoulders the sins of many. He took up the cause of all the black sheep. Wow. There's a phrase here. There's a lot of phrases I could pull out, but what struck me as I was praying over today was the phrase where it says, justice miscarried and was let off. Justice miscarried and was let off. King James, New King James says, he was taken from prison in judgment. The phrase there in the original language means he was retained by coercion. Meaning he was, that that people were being coerced to get him to a place 
where he was imprisoned. Why? Because justice was miscarried. Why? Because he didn't deserve it. Let's look at Matthew 27. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Look at verse 15. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. Whom they wished. And at the time, they had a notorious... Let me start over. Now at the feast, the governor... Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that he had handed him over because of envy. Who, who do you want to release? This notorious sinner. The word notorious means this infamous. Meaning this wasn't someone that was just happened to be in prison. This was someone that was infamous. Everyone knew this man, Barabbas. In my Bible, I actually have a, a little uh, a notation at Barabbas. And if I look at that notation, it actually tells me in the original transcript, what his name really is. His real name and how he was called was Jesus Barabbas. What does Jesus mean? Jesus, Hebrew would be Joshua. It means God who saves. Barabbas. What is is Barabbas? Now, was this his real name? I'm not sure if this was his real name. Was this something he went by? Was this what other people called him? I mean, after all, I mean, we see this, this, this different prefixes in different names throughout Scripture. We see blind Bartimaeus. We see Bartholomew. Easy for me to say. You know, he's one of the disciples, but you know what? That's not his name. His real name is Nathaniel. We see Simon of Barjona. Meaning these were, these were titles that represented something. These were titles that repre- represented identity. These were titles that, that maybe represented on, on who they were or, or, or where they came from. This Barabbas. I mean, in other accounts in the gospel, we see how they label him. They say Barabbas was chained with his fellow rebels... They committed murder and rebellion, in a rebellion. Luke says he was thrown into prison for a certain rebellion and for murder. John tells us Barabbas was a robber. History says that he actually built up an insurrection to go against the Roman government. This was, this was Jesus Barabbas. Barabbas. The son of Abba. Son, Bar, Abbas, meaning father. So he was son of a father. Now there's some things that we might be able to look into or read into, and I'm not so saying they're gospel. Some theologian historians believe that, that he was an illegitimate orphan that was raised in the streets who he didn't have a father, and the only way what they could call him was he was just a son of a father. We don't know who his father was. He was just a son of a father. Maybe it was a title he could have given himself. Jesus, the son of the father. Whatever name he was given, The issue was it was something that affected his identity enough to where it caused him to be a robber. Someone that caused him to develop and and have an insurrection to go against the Roman government. And yet in all the different places that we see in my Bible where it talks about Barabbas, there's a little title about the section. It doesn't say... It says taking the place... 
of Barabbas. You see, Jesus, who wasn't just a son of a natural father, but Jesus Christ was the son of God. Jesus that came because God saves. Everything that Barabbas was trying to do was trying to do everything based in the natural and trying to be something, trying to make something for himself, trying to maybe get a following or maybe because him not having a father, it caused him to, to not have a moral compass or, or not make right decisions and lead him down wrong paths and making wrong decisions. But either way, there was someone that had to take the place of Barabbas, just like had to take the place for all of us. Could this be a picture? Could Barabbas be a picture of all humanity? All humanity? Put your place, put yourself in Barabbas' place at that moment. Because one time or another, until you got born again, you didn't know who you were. Maybe, maybe society labeled you. Maybe you not having a father brought certain things to pass in your life or experiences, education. Different things will shape your identity and shape who you are and shape where you're going in life. This is all of humanity here. Here, Barabbas, just could have, it could have well been just me or you. We all operated in a position, in a place of rebellion one, one time or another. Let's not try to exalt ourselves above Barabbas because we may have not done, done something that he did. But Barabbas is really a picture of all humanity. It's, it's, it's Adam and Eve in the garden when they rebelled against the father. Because they chose to follow the father of this world. Who is the father of lies. Don't let the enemy convince you. Something different and then what God's called you. But yet in every account that we see of Barabbas, it says taking the place of Barabbas. Taking the place of Barabbas. We needed redemption. We have something to rejoice today because Jesus took the place of Barabbas. Go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. 1 Peter You have something to rejoice today. You have something to rejoice about today. We can rejoice because he's restored us to freedom. He restored us to favor. And he's restored us to family. Can you just rejoice in a moment? Can you, can you go ahead and just thank him for a moment? I, I'm so grateful. Jesus took the place. Jesus was not deserving of it. First Peter chapter three, verse, verse five. Actually, verse three. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Wow. According to his abundant mercy. Wow. It's because of his love. It's because of his abundant mercy that he has for each one of us. That he begot us again. He gave birth to us again. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, that does not fade away. We have some, I have something to rejoice about today. You have something to rejoice about today. 
Because we, you've been born again. You have been brought into a family. You've been brought into a family and you've been given an inheritance. I have an inheritance today. I have something to rejoice about today because now I've been brought into an inheritance. You know what? If I have an inheritance, that means I've been brought into a family that has something. I've been brought into a family that's acquired something. I've brought in, been brought into a family that has the ability to release something into my life. This living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, I am never without hope. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you're out without hope today, it means you're letting go of resurrection. It doesn't matter if it's financial. It doesn't matter if it's your relationship. It doesn't matter if it's your physical body. It doesn't matter. If I'm, if I'm in a hopeless position in place, it's because I've let go of the understanding of resurrection. Why? Because it tells me it's a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled and it doesn't fade away. Wow. It doesn't fade away. Mm. Reserved in heaven for you. Now listen, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now listen to this. In this, you greatly rejoice. What? In, in what? In what? In this resurrection life. In these things that are going to happen, that are going to be revealed in the last time. We're, we are in the last time. We are in the last time. We are in the last days. We are in the last time. And it says, in this, in this, you should greatly rejoice. Hallelujah. In this, you should greatly rejoice. In this. In this, I need to rejoice in the resurrection, hallelujah, that has brought me into an inheritance that's incorruptible, that's undefiled. Nothing can touch my inheritance. Nothing can touch my inheritance. There's nothing that my inheritance doesn't provide. There's no one that can take my inheritance from me. We have something to rejoice about today. Let's go to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Thank you for the word. Hallelujah. Galatians 4. Hallelujah. Say, I've been restored to freedom, to favor. And a family. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 4. Let's look at this. Hallelujah. Let's look at verse 3. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come. Hallelujah. But when the fullness of time had come. God sent forth a son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. In the fullness of time. What was he referring to? When God prophesied in Genesis chapter 3. In the fullness of time. In the fullness of time. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And of a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Wow. Think about that. This is part of our inheritance. We should be rejoicing in this, that I'm not in bondage any longer. I am not in bondage any longer. I am no longer a slave, but I'm a son. 
The world does not dictate my freedom. The world does not dictate my freedom. Jesus dictated my freedom. And he said, I am no longer a slave. In the fullness of time, God brought brought to pass that I would no longer be a slave, but I would be a son of God. So we are rejoicing today because he restored freedom and he restored favor and he restored family. I am a son of God. I'm a son of God. You see, Jesus, the son of God, took Barnabas, who was called the son of a father, took his place, took my place and brought me into his family. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. I have something to rejoice about today. I've been restored to favor. I've been restored to freedom. And I've been restored to family. Hallelujah. How about you? How about you? Thank you, Father. So this is, this has got to be a daily revelation of every child of God. That you've been restored to family. You've been restored to freedom. And you've been restored to favor. So we so often focus and we stay in the natural and focus on the world that's around us instead of understanding that I am not a slave any longer. That means I'm not a slave to any, any substance. I'm not a slave to pornography. I'm not a slave to anger. I'm not a slave to the world system. I'm not a slave to, to what the world would, would, would call what's right. I'm not a slave to what the world talks about or what the world thinks about. I'm not a slave to how they process information. I'm not a slave to that. Why? I live in a new kingdom. There's neither Jew nor Greek, bond or free. There's, there's no, we are all one in Christ Jesus. See, the world will want to try to focus on our races and our differences and our classes. But when you just focus on what you've been restored to, all those other things will fall to the side. All those things will fall to the side. Do we have a whole society of people? You know, we talk about Barnabas and we have a whole society of people that want to stand up and create Division, create riots, create insurrections. And it just proves to me is they don't know their identity. And they're like, but they're standing up for the right. But, but the thing is, is that's the enemy. That's the enemy. And we're seeing it, you know, people standing up for things, people standing up to be able to, for, for, it, it, we were listening to some things, stand up for coming against different entities because we don't want 11-year-olds and 12-year-olds going under changing their sexual identity. They're worried about it just because we, wanna, we, want, we, we think it's wrong for us to provide puberty blockers. We think that's wrong to 12-year-olds and they haven't even gone through puberty yet. Standing up for all these different things and creating these things and, and, and what it is, it just, it just shows that, that the world needs a fresh infusion of a new identity. Barnabas could be a, rec- a, a recognition of identity lost. If you look at the world today, from whether it's entertainment, whether it's politics, from one side of the genre, one side of the world to the other, it comes down to lost identity. But I'm telling you, I have a restored identity. I am no longer a slave. I am a son. I am a son. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Hallelujah. Restored to freedom. Restored to favor. Restored to family. Hallelujah. Mm. Hebrews chapter 2. You're receiving something this morning. To say, thank the Lord for the resurrection. Say, I'm so thankful that he took my place. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Another thing that plagues humanity, and it's really the biggest, that's really the roots of a lot of other things, is this, is fear. Fear. I think even if we look into the story of Adam and Eve and, and we look at how they lost their place, is because of fear. What, what happened? Satan came to them, came to Eve and said, you know, Eve, God doesn't want you to eat this because if you eat this, then you'll be like him. So what was the fear? The fear was that they weren't enough. But they were already made in his image. They were already made in his likeness. I, I can see the enemy in the garden kind of, you know, with talking to Eve and, and they're here in the, in the garden and, and having these conversations. It could have been over a period of time that they had these conversations. I, I don't believe it was just a, a one-time thing. I believe it was over because that's how the enemy works, just little by little, little by little, little by little. And I believe maybe there was a time when, because Eve said this, he goes, you know, he says, we can't even touch it. Well, God never said they couldn't touch it. God said they couldn't eat it. And I just get this picture that, that, that Satan's kind of just holding the, holding the fruit. You know, it, we don't know. It, we don't know. It wasn't an apple. I'm not sure what it was. But anyway, he's holding it up. He's maybe juggling with it. I, I'm not sure, but he, he goes, and then all of a sudden, he, and yet, yet they're here, they're in the garden, and God tells them, every tree is yours. Just don't eat this one. And, and they say, even says of this in Genesis 2, he goes, they all look good. And they look good to eat. But what happens when you hang out and you worship at the wrong tree, you'll lose your identity. When they were worshiping at the wrong tree, they should have kept worshiping at the tree of life instead of this one. And when you worship, and that's, that's what our society has done. They're worshiping the wrong things, and it's causing, it caused the enemy and continues to cause the enemy to steal their identity. When we worship social media and we worship politics and we worship all these other things, society, what happens? It steals God identity on the inside of us. And it was fear. It was fear. That caused them to say, wait, well, I want to be like God, but not realizing they were already like him. Fear. Where did I tell you to go? <laughs> Hebrews 2. <laughs> Hallelujah, man. Thank you, Lord. Where do you want me to start? Let's take a time. Let's look at verse 7. You have made him a little lower than the angels, meaning Elohim, not angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have set him over the works of your hands, and you put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things in subjection under him. Who's he there? For, he, for in that he, God, put all in subjection under him, talking about man, he left nothing that is not put under him, but now we do not yet see all things put under him, but we see Jesus. I mean, he goes, he, he's saying, I gave man all authority. I put everything under man, but as the writer saying, but, but yet I haven't seen everything under man's authority, but yet I'm able to see Jesus. See, you might not be operating in victory in every area of your life up to this point, but I want you to know, can you see Jesus? Can you see Jesus? But we're able to see Jesus. And then it tells us about this Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. He was crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might test, taste death for everyone. Verse 10 
for it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. Why did he do this? To bring many sons to glory. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he who sanctifies, talking about Jesus, and those who are being sanctified are all one. That's us. For he, Jesus, who sanctifies, and those who are being sanctified are all one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. You know what? Jesus is not afraid to call you brother and sister. He's not afraid to call you brethren. Now, this is Jesus speaking here because it says, call them brethren, saying. Now, what does Jesus say? I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. Now, get this. If Jesus sings praises and rejoices in the midst of God, how much should we? See, this is Jesus. He goes, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I'll sing praises to God. That's Jesus. And again, Jesus says, I will put my trust in him. God, Jesus saying, I'm going to put my trust in God. I'm going to put my trust in the Father. This is what Jesus had to do when he was taking Barnabas's place. This was the position that Jesus took when he was on the cross for us. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I'm going to sing praises. I will put my trust in him. And it says, and again, it says, now Jesus is saying here, here am I in the children whom God has given me. Verse 14, insomuch then as the children have been partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus himself, Likewise, shared in the same. That through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. And release those who the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So Jesus just didn't deal with death, but he dealt with the fear of death. You see, every fear is stemmed in the fear of death. You might say, well, well I have a fear of flying. No, you have a fear of crashing. You're like, well, no, I have a fear of water. No, you fear drowning. So the issue is the root of all fear ultimately is because of you don't want to die. Hallelujah. He himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him, him who had the power of death, that is the devil. I'm telling you, He destroyed, he destroyed death. And he released those who the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I do not fear dying. Why? Because I have faith in resurrection. If you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus... You are not saved. If you do not believe in the resurrection, you're not saved. (laughs) Am I okay with this, Dr. (laughs) If you do not believe in the resurrection, you are not saved today. Why do I say that? Because 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, that if the resurrection didn't happen, he goes, he, Paul says, my preaching would be empty. If the resurrection didn't happen, he goes, we're, he goes, we're all men most miserable. Meaning I shouldn't even be doing this if the resurrection didn't happen. Because the whole point of resurrection is if he died for me and my sins and he rose up, That means that for my sins that I rose up with him. So if I do not believe in the resurrection, then I'm still in my sin. Thank you, Father. And release those who the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid. Now listen, he doesn't give aid to angels. But he gives aid to the seed of Abraham. 
I love how the Amplified says, it says that he reached down and he gave a hand up to the children of Abraham. Therefore, in all these things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. Listen this. And to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Why is that statement so significant? To make propitiation for the sins of the people. All it means is, so I am no longer guilty. I know it's a real Christian deep word, propitiation. But all it means is, so I would no longer be guilty. I don't have to hold on to the emotions of guilt. It doesn't matter if something happened yesterday. If you've restored in relationship with him, there's no more guilt. We have something to rejoice about today because we've been restored to freedom, restored to favor. And restored to family. Let me close with this. Go to Acts chapter 3. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Acts chapter 3. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for working with your word. Thank you, Father. Let's look at verse 12, Acts chapter 3, verse 12. And this story, you know, is if you're familiar with it, it's when Peter and James and John were at the gate. The man that was lame was healed. And the Pharisees, the Sadducees were complaining about on why they healed this man on the Sabbath. We pick this up in verse 12. It says, so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. So what does Peter say by the Holy Spirit? Peter says, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us? As though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk. It wasn't by their own power or their godliness. Restoration in your life isn't about how good you can be. It's not about your ability. It's not about how godly you can be. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up. You denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to be let go. But you denied the Holy One and the just. Now listen to this. And you asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the Prince of Life. See, we see Barnabas. Bar, uh, Barabbas. A murder being granted. And you killed the Prince of Life the author of life. Whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Now listen to this. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. Whom you see and know. See, it's faith in his name. It's faith in his name, through faith in his name. And his name, through faith in his name has made this man strong. The same thing goes for you. It's when you have faith in his name. He brings strength. And in his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Now listen to this. Yes, this faith which comes through him. The faith comes through who? Jesus. Has given him 
this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Go ahead, stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Let me read the last scripture again, verse 16. In his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. As I close, I I, I want to focus on this phrase, this perfect soundness. If there's perfect soundness, that means restoration took place. But as I close, I, I want you to understand what this phrase perfect soundness means. It means to be unimpaired. It means an unimpaired condition of body in which all parts are healthy and fit for use. All parts. Spirit, soul, and body. All parts. You're a three-part being. All parts. Unimpaired condition of the body in which all its members are healthy and fit for use. That's God's restoration. Perfect soundness. Jesus going to the cross, being resurrected for us. Jesus taking the place of Barabbas or fallen humanity. His heart is perfect soundness. That's my prayer for each one of us this morning. Perfect soundness. Perfect soundness. Physically, emotionally, financially, in your relationships. lift your hands bow your head and just worship the Lord thank you Father Father I thank you for restoring us to family restoring us to freedom and restoring us to favor If you're here today and you could say, Pastor Justin, I'm not sure exactly all that you're talking about, but there's something that's going on in my heart today. And I don't believe if I were to die today, I don't I don't know where I'd spend eternity. I haven't believed that Jesus is the resurrection. I haven't I, I up to today, I've never heard anything concerning this. Or, or I grew up in church, and there's some things that sound familiar to me, but, but yet in my, in, deep down on the inside of me, I know I'm not free. I know I'm not in a position and place of restored favor. I, I'm not right with the Lord. I'm not in a place of, of favor. But Pastor Justin, I want that. I want that perfect soundness today. And maybe you prayed a prayer years ago. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've never been to a church or even made Jesus the Lord of your life. Whatever it is, whether whatever it is, there's something, a change that you need down on the inside of you. I, I want you to make your way out of the aisles and I want you to come down to the front here and make a decision for resurrection life. Make a decision for resurrection life. Thank you, Father.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Father. Let's just worship the Lord for a moment. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Perfect soundness. Perfect soundness. I remember being far from God. I remember even though growing up in church, I remember coming to church with my parents and but yet there was there was something on the inside of me that was a need to make a decision. And I don't want to leave here today until I've given the opportunity for you to have this perfect soundness in your life. Sometimes it's just taking a step. Sometimes it's just taking a step. And if you make that decision to take a step, I'm telling you, freedom will meet you. The courage will meet you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. dismiss and I'll have our Thrive groups if you're able to you can come forward and and they'll pray with you but if you're also here today and you need healing in your body you need God to do a work in your marriage relationship Maybe you have a sense of you're born again, but yet at the same time you feel lost. Just slip your hand up right where you are. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Restore to favor. Restore to freedom. Restore to family. Thank you, Father. Just lift your hands high. Just lift your hands high if you if you needed if you wanted prayer for something. Now, church family, just look around if you see their hands up. I want you to pray for them. Understand the love of God is on the inside of you, and the love of God can minister directly to them. pray for all those watching by a waiter of internet and those here with their hands lifted. Father, I thank you that you minister life to them. Father, because we're praying just like Peter did and, and they did at that gate, that it was, it was in this it was in his name and faith in his name that made, his, made that man strong. So today, Father, we have faith in the resurrection of Jesus. We have faith in what Jesus did on the cross. We have faith in what Jesus is still doing today in the earth. Father, and we release our faith over every individual in this place. And those watching by way of internet, I thank you that perfect, perfect soundness, that they would know perfect soundness in their marriage, perfect soundness in their physical body, perfect soundness. Lord, I declare that because of Jesus and because of the covenant of Abraham, I declare, Lord, that they're blessed coming in and blessed going out. They're above only and they're not beneath. I thank you, Father, that they come behind in no gift. I thank you that your very life and presence, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. declare that as we go throughout the rest of 2023 
from this resurrection celebration day. I thank you from this day forward throughout this year. I thank you that they are going to another level. Their finances are going to another level. Their marriage is going to another level. They're living life at a whole nother level than they've ever lived before because of resurrection life. Father, they've been restored to freedom, restored to favor, and restored to family. We thank you for today in Jesus' name. Give them a shout of praise if you believe that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give Eric a hand as he comes up.